Welcome back to the Content Lab, our podcast where we talk about all things content marketing. I am one of your hosts, John Becker. <laughs> Weave it in, don't cut it out. Let my shame ride. <laughs> as we were starting, I, I literally watched Liz spill on herself uh, as I was about to introduce her. Because we're doing a Zoom call so I can see her. So Liz, are you clean and ready to ready to be part of this? I mean, you know, there's the real answer, which is probably not ready to go, but we're going to lean into it. You know, some people lean into leadership. I lean into destruction and chaos. <laughs> uh, great at commas, not great at drinking, but otherwise doing fantastic. As you can tell, I'm, I'm now well hydrated like a plant. So, going great. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, uh, what makes it maybe more awkward or maybe less awkward is uh, Liz and I are not alone today. We are joined by Impact's COO, Brie Rangel, who is joining us here today. Hey, Brie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Brie comes to us from Houston, Texas, the Lone Star State. This is our second official podcast that we've done during the, the COVID quarantine. Uh, addressing those issues directly. So that's where our focus will be today. And that's part of the reason we have our guest here. Yeah. And one of the things I'm really excited about is I, I'm, I'm, I can't take credit for any of this in terms of what we're about to discuss. Um, I just want to throw out there that I, I'm really excited that we're taking a completely different look at communication today. Because John brought up a great point earlier this week when he mentioned this topic to me, which is really, you know, we talk so much about like the actual content marketing aspect, right? You know, how do we create content that makes money? How do we get the people that we work with to want to create <laughs> content that makes money? How do we tell people that their content is not going to make money and let's fix it? Like those are the, those are generally the problems that we solve here. So when you took this moment to say, why don't we stop and pause and take a look at how that comes together internally and that type of communication, it just, it's one of those ideas where it's like, do you ever read a joke and you're like, I wanna be that funny? <laughs> like I have that a lot. Uh, and I, when I heard this idea, I'm like, man, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, actually, last time our focus was how do companies talk to their customers, clients, and communities during COVID? How do we address the sort of elephant in the room, to use that cliche? Um, how, does, how should that impact our content strategy? How should that change the way we do what we do day to day, week to week? Um, and so my thought was that we're also doing a lot of internal communication and internal communication is something that many businesses, um, have to, have to work at and, and have to strive to be good at. And this is a time when those sorts of internal communications are essential and maybe more important than ever. And as people might be worried about their jobs or worried about, what their company might be doing, they're going to read into all of those sorts of things with this, you know, magnifying glass to try to glean any information they can. And so that's why we're have brought Brie with us today because she and one of our colleagues has undertaken that, that task. Um, and so that's what she's going to talk to us about today. So Brie, I'm going to start you off with that question that Liz just sort of addressed. Like we do talk so much about external communication, but Internal communication seems equally important, especially here and now. Yeah, we um, when we first 
started looking at what should we do as a leadership team around our response to COVID-19. I actually Googled what to do, like an emergency response plan template, because who who's ever led a company through a global pandemic? I don't know if people can say that, so nobody knows what to do. Uh, and I actually found a template from the CDC that gave you a checklist of everything that you should be considering as you build out your response plan. And it had a lot of stuff, of course, with customer communication and all that kind of stuff, but the majority of the document was actually about your employees and your team. And so I essentially had copied that completely, added a few more things that are more impacting to it to really figure out high level, where should we put our time into this with the bulk of it really looking at, you know, policy things that we should do. Like we, we at the time had our office open, so like we had to close the office. And then also now that everything's changing and scary, what are we doing to make sure employees know where they stand and, and have some clarity, at least as much as we can give them during this time. Um, and also, like just as we have a communication plan for clients, we made a communication plan for our employees. So, and for obviously people outside of our company, they don't know that this is daily and this is, this is pretty, pretty lengthy. So can you talk to me about the process that you guys go through? And first of all, I'm saying you guys, because as I mentioned, you're not the only one who writes this, you co-author it. Um, yeah. Talk to me about what you guys put into this, how the process works, um, where you're posting it, what you're including, that kind of stuff. So it's co-authored with our VP of talent, Natalie Davis. And in our response plan, actually, my responsibility is making sure that the company knows our, our response action steps, our pandemic response plan action steps. So I want to keep, keep people in the loop on what are we doing with the payroll protection program, like just the, the more businessy side of things that we're doing. And Natalie's responsibility is making sure that we are addressing support ideas for the team, that we are um, keeping, just being as supportive as we can for the team, which is where some of the humor comes in. Uh, so it feels impacty too, not just a big corporate, you know, communication plan, like which is probably what I would produce by myself. So we balance each other in that way. And so in our newsletter, what we did is just we identified, okay, if my responsibility is to make sure the company knows what's going on uh, pandemic-wise, your responsibility is to keep morale up and help in that regard. Here are the <laughs> sections we're gonna put in our newsletter, and I'll do these sections, and then she does like the more morale type sections because she just she has a great sense of humor great pulse on the company. She meets with our employees constantly. So she knows exactly what we need to address in these newsletters. And it's a good balance. Hmm. So my question about it is this. Um, so you started the daily impact, you had certain goals that you were trying to accomplish. Um, was the response what you expected from no. employees? So what Not did you expect? And what was the actual outcome? So what I expected was low readership because you know, we've never done it. We've never done a, a newsletter to the company. We have a weekly all hands meeting. And so the reason first that we decided daily communication was just so much was happening. It still is um, where if we had waited a week between all hands meetings, people would just, if they don't know what's going on, they're going to make up stories in their head and just be really fearful. So we wanted to get in front of that as much as possible. So we chose daily as a frequency. I did not think people would read it too much or maybe some would. And the response was um, overwhelmingly positive. I was also worried about humor. We were very careful on, you know, what do we make a joke about versus not. We don't joke about anything regarding the pandemic. Anything that's a joke is like an internal joke about the company or somebody in the company. Um, 
but yeah, the response has been very positive. Every issue gets a ton of comments. We use Basecamp, so we can actually get threaded comments in what we send out. And um, it's just, from what I understand, people really feel like it's helped morale and keep people lifted up in their spirits and look forward to getting it every day, which is not what I thought would happen at all. I think the last thing you said is completely accurate, Bri. I think people look forward to it. I know I do each day. I'm like, oh, wait, has the daily impact come out yet? I'm going to go check, you know, and uh, as you said, it's in Basecamp, so it doesn't feel obtrusive into our lives. I get an email notification and it's, you know, there's a, um, a little marker in Basecamp so I can find it, but it doesn't feel like it's a, you know, it's a blast that, that is uh, obtrusive, but it's always there and usually in the afternoon and people flock to it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the neat thing about it too. Like we're talking about it, like it's a newsletter, but Basecamp is essentially for those who aren't familiar, it's a, it's a task man. It's like a collaboration platform where everybody can collaborate on projects and share documents and all of these different things. And one of the things we've been focusing on is that internal communication piece, not just what we communicate, but when and where and how often. And the fact that it ended up at Basecamp, John, what you brought up now just really sprang to mind what has made this such a success, I think, is the fact that by nature, the fact that it is within Basecamp, where it, it creates a community-like experience, it almost becomes like a little daily virtual water cooler where like mm -hmm. people are responding, there are inside jokes, like the mm -hmm. caption game that Natalie brings to every single photo that she posts there, like it becomes like something that people look forward to because they're not just getting to read and get informed, they get to experience it alongside people that for many of us, like we used to hang out and make these jokes in the office. Yeah, that's a great point. I um, I was thinking to Basecamp's asynchronous, so to, to your point, John, it's not obtrusive in any way. It's just you can check it when you feel like it. It's not real-time communication. Where in the past, we use a tool like Slack to try to get communication out, and that's only as good as the last message. And so that's been really helpful to have a tool where it's just a static thing that you can check on your own time, and it doesn't go away. It's, it's, much, it's easier to get caught up on if you don't check it out every single day. I also love that you guys shout people out that there's a daily employee, uh, employee of the day with uh, a little cute spelling, um, but which feels definitely very sincere and people who are recognized are, are well-deserving, but it also feels a little bit playful, a little bit, um, you know, sometimes humorous. And that seems to me to be like, it's just important that that's what people need right now. They need those little things that are both affirmations of the work they're doing, but also, you know, maybe a little bit of, a little bit of humor, a little bit of warmth wrapped up in it. Yeah, we wanted to bring that mix to it and also recognize and positively reinforce the behaviors that we're seeing across the company that are good. And, you know, it's not all bad news. There's some good things going on and we want to share and celebrate that with everybody. And also, if you are struggling, you can see maybe how somebody else is doing well and just it's an outlet for someone to, to go talk to that person and get ideas and just make it not all doom and gloom. There's some really fun, cool things happening in the company despite what's going on outside. So this is for you, Brie, but I'm also interested to hear what you think, Liz. Is there the danger of over-communicating? Like, is there, could you share too much? Does this, does it ever feel, um, I don't know, that, that there's, there's more than people need or it's, it's, uh, you're worried about the important things getting drowned out because there's too much information there or something like that? I I much rather over communicate than under communicate. We had a really terrible t 
time, I think pretty much all of last year, where we under communicated quite a bit. And so my personal goal in 2020 was to end that and get much better at how we communicate as a company. So I don't think it hurts to over communicate. I'll put stuff in the, the newsletter multiple times in a row if I'm afraid people are going to miss it for that exact reason. We say it again in all hands. We, we do, um, Bob, our CEO, has done some impromptu videos where he'll say the information again. And as far as content, I think I'd just look at it, the lens that everyone who works at Impact is an adult and we should treat them like adults, not try to hide them or shelter them because all that's going to come across is that we're lying or not being authentic. And so I'd rather just put it out there, even if we don't know exactly how we're going to, like, for example, our payroll protection money, we don't exactly know how we're going to apply it or be strategic with it, but we just shared our thoughts. So everybody knows and there's no secrets. Hmm. In terms of over-communicating or, un or under-communicating, my, my real basis and context for the answering this question is going to come from my authorship of the latest which is our email newsletter that I write three days a week. It's the equivalent, I guess, that goes to our audience as opposed to internally. Um, that's something I've always struggled with in terms of am I oversharing, am I undersharing? Is there too much in here? Will things get lost? The nice thing I've told you that I've come to realize over this is that the audience will tell you either through their action or inaction or just explicitly to my face um, <laughs> through their replies. Um, I am with Brie on this. I always err on the side of over-communicating, over-stuffing. Um, and usually then I just watch the data and the metrics. Are people, are people interacting with it? You know, if it's valuable and it's not some bloated mess, you know, the open rates will stay where they need to be. If people can find things, I should see equitable distribution in appropriate ways across the board of what's getting clicked through. And since I do have some recurring segments in those newsletters, you know, if I'm seeing something is not getting the love it deserves, then I'm like, well, is it in the wrong place? Is it usually too much or too little isn't the issue. Usually it's placement and hierarchy mm -hmm. as opposed to there being too much in there. Now, of course, the nice thing about HubSpot is it will literally tell you when you have too much because part of your email will get cut off if it's too long. I have had that happen once. Okay, twice. That happened twice. <laughs> but I learned my lesson and now I know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in terms of communication, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the advice I always give people when they're writing an article, how long should it be? I don't know, write until you're done. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Like, when you feel like you've answered the question, you're done. We got, if you look at the first edition that we did compared to today, way back three weeks ago, <laughs> um, the, the format was much more simple before. And then we got feedback from the team like, hey, it's a lot or I, I, I could be more skimmable and things like that. So now we do much more with how we format to Liz's point, like kind of play around with where things go because I have the benefit of listening to questions and hearing people in meetings. And if they ask something where I'm like, I know we put that in the newsletter like four times, they obviously didn't see it. Then, you know, that's on me. And I, we, we figure out how to make sure that people see the right stuff. Hmm. With all that in mind, we've also, or I should say, you've also uh, dialed down the cadence going forward. So it's going to cease being a daily publication and become a few times a week. Yeah. And that really just came from the necessity of, a few weeks ago, it was changing every single day. Um, Bob and I needed to meet daily just to like at the end of the day, here's what changed the whole day. Like it was just so much frequency of external news, internal news, moves that we needed to make. And now that's starting to taper off, not the external news so much, but at least internally what we need to do to where 
honestly, I don't have enough content to even write it every day without repeating myself too, too much. So we're going to try it. We're going to try to reduce the scale, which is set it up front all along, like it's daily for now until we feel like it doesn't need to be. However, if I see or get the sense that communication is off or that people are feeling that there's a, a break in the chain of communication, then we'll definitely look at the frequency again. I think the difference also is we're now changing our meeting cadence at Impact, where a lot of the teams will be doing a scaling up type style meeting. It's a Rockefeller Habits type of meeting that is meant to improve communication. So we're pulling back at the same time that I know we're going to have additional meetings that should help with communication. Well, it's like Liz said, the newsletter is as long as it needs to be. It should also be as frequent as it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So can you give your advice to companies who might be struggling to get a handle on how to internally communicate during all of this? I think first I would start with understanding where you're falling short. So we do company surveys and we had actually done a survey in February right before all of this happened that told us how bad we were at communication. So we had already planned to improve it. I'd, so I'd get a sense of how that's going or if it's a smaller company, just have a meeting and talk about it, which is what our, our Natalie, our VP of talent does every two weeks with our employees, a small group of them. And once you understand that, then make a communication plan like you would with a client. It's, it's almost like your own marketing plan internally. And that's exactly what we did. And then, then don't just make the plan, but actually execute it and stay consistent. That'd be another thing. Because if we did the daily impact, not every day, that's kind of weird. So we got to change the name now that we're changing the frequency. But I think if to keep that level of trust going, if you got to execute consistently. John? Yeah, I don't know. If, this might be more like me getting my rant on, but I'll, uh, yeah. one will suffice for the other, I think. And I, what I was thinking about for Alerting Corner today is just to remind everyone that sometimes words that we think of as compound words, they're not always compound words. Sometimes they're actually two different words. Like there is a word, sign up, but there is also a verb phrase, sign up. And there is log in and log in. There is layout and layout. There is, you know, every day and every day. Let it and all out. We are using these out. interchangeably way too often. Uh, and, and I actually just corrected grammar on one of our landing pages for, for one of these just yesterday. And it's been in my mind that we, we do this often. So say it to yourself. If, if it's something that is a a verb, chances are it's, it's two words, which is what's called a phrasal verb, uh, usually a verb with a preposition, like log in or sign up. Um, if it's something like uh, every day, you know, in an adverb and a noun, or an adjective and a noun, uh, it can be a phrase, like this is an everyday occurrence, um, but we wouldn't say, uh, I do this every day as one word, that, that's two words. So pause, think about it, and fix it because we're doing it wrong too often. Please stop hurting John is basically the lesson for this week from the learning quarter. My eyes. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Liz, what are you reading right now? 
Uh, so I am reading a book by one of my favorite authors, Christopher Buckley, um, which is, it, some people may be familiar with his other title, Thank You for Smoking, which was turned into a very funny movie about 10, 15 years ago, um, which is my favorite book. But White House Mess is something that kind of slipped under the radar in the 90s. Um, and I just, with everything going on, I needed something funny. And as I've talked about before, humor is actually a place where I derive a lot of inspiration for content because comedy, comedy requires a lot of skill. It's kind of like why you see comedic actors do a really great turn in dramatic roles. Usually people, it ends up getting rejected because people want to see them be funny, but that doesn't mean they're not exceptionally good at it. Jim Carrey's a great example of it. So is Steve Carell. And that usually comes down to comedians having an innate sense of timing and how to manipulate the energy in a room or through whatever it is that they're writing. But that's beside the point. This particular book is great because quite frankly, it is hysterical. It is political from a time that is so apolitical and foreign to us now. And it just makes me laugh out loud when I really need it. Like there's this scene where the first child loses a hamster in the White House somewhere and it gets leaked to the press. So the guy who's the press secretary is trying to hold this briefing on like some sort of incursion in Libya and have like a substantive discussion about that. And all of like the Washington Post and all of these different reporters are like, how is the search going for the hamster? Will there be a task force deployed? Like things like that. And it's just really funny. It's well written. And it's something that flies under the radar a lot because Thank You for Smoking is so good. But it's a little bit lighter, a little less dense. Uh, so I highly recommend it if you're just looking to like laugh and remember a time when, you know, we could see people within six feet. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Fantastic. Well, Liz, thank you so much. And Bree, thank you so much for joining us in the lab. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.